0: Let's turn to Romans the eighth chapter. On last week, we talked about um we talked about uh Romans the eighth chapter verses twenty-six through thirty-one. We said about how we have help, um, how the Holy Spirit comes and he makes intercession for us um to the Father. Uh, And I did a demonstration on that. And then we also talked about it working for your good. That God knows every aspect of your life. And he's able to make your worst situations to turn around to be for your good. But there are conditions in order for it to work for your good. You must be in Christ Jesus. He's just not going to make it work for your good. And you're not linked up to him. You're not walking in faith. You're not um, believing in him. You don't have a relationship with him. He's not obligated um, to make it work for your good. If, if, if you're not my son or my daughter, I'm not obligated to take care of you. But because we are children of the most high God, we are children of the most high God, God is obligated to take care of us. He has been obligated to take care of us, but not because of an obligation of oh um I, I created them or whatever, but he does it out of love, and we're gonna delve into that in just a moment. And then I said that no opposition when you are in Christ Jesus, and because God is on your side and because Jesus is interceding on your behalf, I stated I gave you an equation. How many of you remember the equation? God plus you equals what? An unconquerable army. So remember that God plus you is an unconquerable army. God plus you, nobody can come up against you. God plus you, no weapon that is formed against you shall ever be able to prosper. God plus you means that you are going to be victorious in every situation of your life. God plus you means that you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. God plus you. Remember that equations today. We are going to talk about the unlimited love of God, the unlimited love of God. If I can get that, uh, baby, I need for you to have a seat. Okay. Um, the unlimited love of God. Um, sister Cindy, can you play that video for me?
1: Imagine if when you were born, you had to earn your parents' love. If you eat well, if you sleep well, if you don't cut. Imagine if when you were born, you had to earn your parents' love. If you eat well, if you sleep well, if you don't cause trouble, then you get their love. But if you cry, or if you make a mess, or if you keep your parents up all night, then they withhold their love for you until you get better. That's crazy, right? I mean, any parent that operated that way would be seen as a monster. But the thing is, it's not that crazy. We might not believe this about our parents, but it's how we believe the world actually works. We have to perform in school or our life won't amount to anything. We have to be cool for people to like us. And we have to pour ourselves into our jobs to prove our worth to ourselves. And we hear these messages from so early on. So it totally makes sense that we think this is how God works too. It makes sense that God would only like you if you do this. Or God will only listen if you do this. Or God will only grant you success if you do this. If we're good, if we do all the right things and don't do the wrong things, if, then God will love us. This might be the way the world works, but it's not the way God works. See, God doesn't love you if, it's actually that God loves you so. God loves you and adopted you into his family through Jesus, so you never have to earn anything from him. You have the freedom to work not to earn approval but because work is just inherently good and purposeful see god loves you and created you so you never have to worry about where your worth comes from you can engage in family and friendships and romance not to fill a hole but just because relationships make life better see god loves you and he sent his son jesus to die on the cross to rescue you from sin and death so that you never have to try to save yourself you don't have to strive to be good because Jesus makes you good. Hey guys, Jeff here. Th-
0: strive to be good. Jesus makes you good. God loves you so. Not if, but so. God loves you so. So let's return to Romans 8 and 32. God loves you so. We're talking about the unlimited love of God. Turn to somebody say God's love is unlimited. He can love me and he can love you. Amen. God's love is unlimited. Verse uh Romans 8 and 32 says he who did not spare uh, or even his own son but gave him up for us all How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things that it says that he did not spare his own son because if he did not spare his own flesh and blood, if he did not spare his own son to sacrifice on the cross, there is nothing that God won't do for you. There's nothing that God will not give you. Think about it. Would you sacrifice Patricia, your daughter? For somebody else, would you say i 'm going to give up stephanie i i, I 'm going to let her die so that somebody else could live? No, you think twice about it, but as a mother. As Or as a father, you're going to do whatever you need to do to make sure that that child's need is taken care of. Even when they're grown, they could be messing up. They could be doing whatever. But if they come to you, you got that soft spot in your heart. Ain't that right, Deacon Parson? That you're going to make it work. You're going to try to figure it out. And that's how God is. God has us in his heart. It says that he who did not spare his own son. Let's go back to the English version. He who did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for all of us. You can make that personal. He gave him up for me. So when you're going through a situation and you're sitting there saying, well, how can a God love me? No, God loved me so much that he gave. God cared for me so much that he gave, but not just anything, but he gave, he gave his very own son. How will he not? And I had to put this unbelief says, how can he? Unbelief says, how can he work this out? Unbelief says how can he turn this around to be for my God? Good. But faith says how can he not supply all of my needs? Faith says how can he not do this? Somebody may come to you and say you cannot do this and you need to say to yourself I serve a God and how can he not? How can he not do this for me? Unbelief says I don't know if he will do it but faith says that my God will do it. My God is going to do it. I may not see it right now. I may not even understand it right now. But faith says I walk by faith and not by sight. God is going to turn this thing around to be for my good. Unbelief says I'm not able to do this. But faith says that I can do all things. I can do this. I can do this thing. I may be weak in my flesh, but faith says I can do it unbelief god would satan would want you to walk in unbelief believing that you don't serve a god that you don't measure up you remember what the thing of what the um the video said it was talking about works you don't have to work your way all you have to do is connect with god and surrender to god and let god move through you and let the holy spirit deal with you you know what is right you are a lot of times we say well something told me to or something or there's a feeling on the inside that you know how, and, and okay let me just get a let me take a poll right here how many of you at, at any particular time have been doing something and you know on the inside it didn't feel right that is the holy spirit dealing with you and saying no go another way go another way and and when I was looking at these scriptures, and I, and I promise you, I'm not going to be a long. I'm not going to be long like I was last Sunday. Um, all right, deep. When it get good, it get good. Anyway, um, I thought about a courtroom setting when I thought about these next verses. First of all. I want you to think about a courtroom. I worked in the military justice system in the military courts for many years. Um, On this side, there was the defendant. So I need somebody that's going to sit right in that chair for me right there. Young man, do you mind just coming up? I need for you to sit right there. Then what I need is... um, I need a defense attorney. Who wants to be the defense attorney? Ah, uh, come on here, sister. Yeah. Come on. Well, no, I need somebody that's going to be spunky. You going to be spunky for me? All right. I need for you to sit right there. Then I need a prosecuting attorney. Who wants to be my prosecuting attorney? Sheena, come on here, Sister Sheena. I, I need a prosecuting attorney right here. Okay, put them where? All right, let me, let me have these pieces of paper, Sister Lori. I, want, I just really want to demonstrate this, and this is going to be part of my message. So you're looking at all of those, and, and that piece of paper represent the charges against this defendant right here. Now this is the lawyer. This is the, 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 the uh, defense attorney. And so the defense attorney... Is Jesus. Okay. The defense attorney is Jesus. Now she is a prosecuting attorney. And she has all of these charges against what's your name? Daniel. Daniel saying these are all the charges. And I'm the judge. Yeah. I'm the judge. Okay. And so the prosecuting attorney is coming to me and presenting All of these charges. Well, you know, he fornicated last week. That's charge number one. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. Okay. Number two, he smoked some weed last week. Defense, uh, 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 charge number three. He was driving with no license. Charge number three. Not obeying the laws of the land. He cussed somebody out and he lied. Daniel's like, wow, I want to paint this picture for you. I want to paint the picture. So he's the defendant and the prosecuting and he's not saying anything because the, the truth of the matter is that you are guilty until proven innocent. Sometimes a lot of times in a court, well, they'll take statements ahead of time. So you haven't given any statement. All she has is charges against you, things that she may have been thinking that you do or things that she saw that you did, and you're neither, you're neither confirming nor denying that you did that. So let's look at verse, verse 8, um, Romans 8 and 33. Y'all stay there. Stay with me. I'm going to go somewhere with this. Let me get Romans in my Bible. Romans eight thirty three says, well, who will bring a charge, a charge, a charge sister Sheena, a charge against God's elect, his chosen one. Daniel is chosen. Daniel is in the courtroom. Daniel was in church Sunday, last Sunday and he gave his life to Christ. Daniel said, Lord, you are my source. Daniel, Daniel said, God I just thought about what I'm saying you're Daniel oh my God Daniel and the lion's Didn't Daniel 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 hallelujah I, I say that because it. it I, praise God Holy Spirit works good he's gonna deliver you hallelujah so who will bring any charge against God elect so Daniel has been chosen by God but he finds himself in the court in the courtroom with the prosecuting attorney, which is Satan himself, being an accuser of Daniel, saying, he's done this. And then the next verse says, who will bring any charge? Who's going to bring a charge against Daniel? It is God who justifies us, declaring us. Hold on one second. Let's go back. Yeah. Yeah declaring us blameless and putting us in right relationship with himself. Verse 34, verse 34, it says, who is one who condemns us? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay the penalty on our behalf. And more than that, who was raised from the dead and who is at the right hand of God interceding for us. So let's, let's kind of work that out a minute. It says that who is the one who condemns us? So, who is it? Who is it, Daniel, that's going to bring a charge against you? Who is it? Sister Sheena, state some charges against him. (laughs) Okay? And so, you're sitting there, Daniel, and you're in God. And so, you're Jesus. And it's like, who is it? Who's bringing these charges? And you step up, Jesus. Jesus. Stand up. And you say, I'm the one who died to pay the penalty. I died to pay the penalty for Daniel. So because of those charges, you should be receiving the death penalty. And that's just my version of the court. You should be receiving the death penalty. But the scripture says that. Who's going to condemn you? Christ is the one that died for you. And more than that, he was raised at the right hand of God. And now, because he was raised up, he's coming to the father and saying, interceding with the father for Daniel. So in what, 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 what Jesus is now doing on our behalf No matter what you've done, Jesus is standing on the right-hand side of the Father. He's on the right-hand side of the Father, and you're interceding. You're saying, no, 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 no. no! I died for that. That's covered under the blood. The blood washed away that. Jesus, ha, I have washed him clean. No matter what, get how. Here we go. No matter what you see on Daniel, Daniel is covered with white because he has been washed in the blood of Jesus. He's no longer guilty. And so therefore, hallelujah, the charges against him have been ripped up. Interceding. Interceding to the father. For us, let's go to that next verse. What's the, what's the next one? I don't got happy. 35. Okay, you can have a seat, sister. So, in other words, when Satan presents Jesus, when Satan presents us to the Father, all the junk that you may have done this week, all the things that you may have gone through this week, He don't see nothing but the blood of Jesus. He don't see nothing that when you turn around and you repent and you say, God, I didn't mean to do it. God, I'm sorry. He sees you washed in the very blood of Jesus. And he sees you washed whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. And so he sees you complete, perfect. That's my next point. Perfect, complete. And you ain't got nothing to hide. You've confessed it to the father. You've confessed it. Jesus has interceded on your behalf. So if sister Sheena tries to come back and has found him not guilty, and so if sister Sheena tries to come back to Daniel and say, well, you know what you remember? You remember what you did last week? You know what you said last week? Daniel can say it's under the blood. I I heard you cuss last week. It's under the blood. I've been forgiven. See, a lot of us sometimes, God has already forgiven us. God has already washed us clean. But what we do is we we condemn ourselves. We hold it against ourselves. We hold unforgiveness against ourselves. We don't allow ourselves to be forgiven. So what you messed up, it's under the blood. So what? You didn't do all that you needed to do. God, I give it to you. I am not going to allow myself to be held captive any longer. See, a lot of times it's not other people that will hold us in bondage, but it's ourselves. It's our thoughts. Sometimes we're sitting here thinking. We think too much. And I am guilty of that. When something goes wrong, we say, what did I? What's the first thing that you say? Well, what, what did I? What did I do? What did I do? And sometimes it ain't nothing that you did. It's just the enemy trying to get you to receive those thoughts, to receive the lies about you. He's going to try to accuse you all day long and tell you what you ain't and what you are. You ain't no good. You know you did this. God don't love you. You know that you said this or you're doing this or you're in this. You know what? We're all a work in progress. We are all a work in progress, but I can tell you one thing. I am not the same person today that I was yesterday. I'm not the same person that I am today that I was 10 years ago. My marriage is not the same that it was today, that it is today, that it was 17 years ago. We all make mistakes. But guess what? God forgives us. And he's telling you to move on. So you are com- perfect and complete and you ain't got nothing to hide. Tell somebody, I don't have anything to hide. Ain't got nothing to hide. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm tired of hiding. Um, I was talking to somebody this week. And I, was, I, I told them... Um, when I, was, when I was single, I, I just couldn't be promiscuous. I couldn't have more than one man. And the reason why is just because I, could, I couldn't keep it straight. And what I say I couldn't keep it straight, it was just too confusing to have one over here, one over there. I couldn't keep up with the lies. So I just felt like it was just better just to keep one and be faithful to that one. If that one didn't work out, then okay, it's all right. But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't two-time nobody. So, you know, and, and I was talking to them and they were like, girl, I said, um, you you were committed to relationships, and I was. I was committed. I was committed to relationships. And so I asked you, are you two timing God? Are you committed to God? Or do you have a lover on the side? Do you have something that you're more loyal to on the side or you want to sneak out every now and then and say, God, I know you're I'm in relationship with you, but I'm going to slide out over here and I'm gonna dip into this little area of sin. But God, am I committed to you? And I, I just threw that in. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go that way. But we are perfect and complete. Next point is no separation. Let's look at Romans 8, 35. 835 says, so therefore we're talking about the unlimited love of God. So it says that because Jesus has declared us not guilty or because the father has declared us not guilty through the sacrifice of his son, because we're in relationship with him. And he has, he's, it's, I said in the beginning, because we are in relationship with him, we are his children, how he will not give us good things. He will not give us things he will not do for us. He will not take care of us. God will take care of us because of we are his sons. We are his daughters. We're complete and we don't have anything to hide. You don't have anything to hide. And so now it says, who shall ever separate us? From the love of Christ. Who shall separate you? Says will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Shall it separate you? Let's skip down to verse 8. Well, no. Let's stay right there. There is no separation. So what is, let let me break that down. When you're going through and you're wavering in your faith, is that going to separate you from the love of God? Is that going to make you walk away from God because things aren't working out for you? Because you're distressed and and you're just feeling some kind of way on the inside? Are you going to walk away from that great love that God has for you? Are you going to turn your back on God? Are you going to make your cell phone turn your back on God? And let me just pause right here. A lot of times we, I, I, let, me, let me talk to the young people. How do we turn our back on God? Sometimes it could be social media that makes us turn our back on God. Because we're so wrapped up into Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, what you know, the next thing that's going up there that we don't even acknowledge and we don't even take the time to spend time with God. We're so wrapped up in what the next text is that we're so worried about what they're doing, and God says, I love you more, I'm concerned about you more. And that goes for the adults, too. I was. I, I mean, I, Lord knows I'm just having a, a, a terrible time right now. It's like, you know, you, you, you're, you're behind somebody driving and the light is long turned green and they're, still, they're sitting, they're frozen. They're frozen because when you pull up beside them, they have their cell phone and it's like this here, you know, and they're steady looking at their phone and paying no attention to what's going on around them. I'm so sick and tired of that. What did we do before cell phones? Sometimes we just need to set it down. Sometimes, even right here in church, we're so, if you, I'm going to tell you, is there anything important more than the word of God coming forth? I don't believe so. I'm sorry. I took a sideboard, (laughs) y'all. Thank you. Thank you, Ta'u. That's what that's. But I'm, I'm being serious. Sometimes we need to shut the phone off. Just shut it off because as long as it's on, we are tempted to go back and check it. We are tempted to go back and look. And a lot of times what that does is that is separating us from God because it's painting an image that's not what God would have to be painted. It says, with tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Somebody coming up against you lying. Is that going to separate you from the love that God has for you? You know, God says, I love you in spite of. It's not about what you can do. Let's look at verse 38. It says, for I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor light nor angels nor principality nor things present And threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me. I'm going to put that word us out. Me from the unlimited love of God. From the unlimited love of God. I got a a, a letter this week, and I tell you, for for a moment there, I was like, you know, it kind of sent me a little left. But you know what? I had to gather myself and God said, God told me, he says, I'm your source. He says, I'm your source. Don't worry about this over here. And once I settled myself, God began to speak to me and what he spoke to me, I had complete peace. I had complete peace so in other words it's saying that I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt no matter what I get in the mail no matter what you say about me no matter whether I'm about to lose my life or I gotta go to court this week and I don't know what the judgment is gonna be or I gotta go to work this week and I don't know what's gonna happen or I gotta go to school this week and something I don't know what's gonna pop off in school I know that for one thing Without a shadow of a doubt, I'm convinced that neither death nor light nor principalities I cannot worry about tomorrow. I can only be concerned about today that nothing is going to separate me from the love that God has for me. He who did not spare his own son, will he not take care of me? That's the way you got to look at it, whatever you're dealing with. The change that you want in your life, things that you are saying, Lord, change me. God, I, I, I don't speak the way I need to speak. Lord, my attitude is jacked up. Lord, my thoughts are all haywire. I'm looking at things that I should not think of. But Lord, I surrender them to you because I know that you love me. And I'm giving it to you on today. And so it says no separation. And because we know who we are and whose we are, we can go back to verse. And I kind of took this verse out of out out, of out of um, sequence. Thank you, Sister Lori. I took it out of sequence. Nothing is going to separate me. And because nothing is going to be able to separate me, I can go to verse thirty seven. And verse 37 says, yet, I may be going through the valley of the shadow of death right now, but yet in all these things, I am more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. I can beat this addiction. I'm more than a conqueror. I can beat these sinful thoughts. I'm more than a conqueror. And I gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved me. I am more than a conqueror. Say yourself, I am more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. You may not see yourself the way that you want to see yourself. I'm more than a conqueror. I may not be going the direction I need to go, but I'm more than a conqueror. You got to get that thing in your spirit. I am more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Not only am I a conqueror, but it says that I gain an overwhelming victory overwhelming victory. It's just not victory, but it's an overwhelming victory. An overwhelming victory. Say to yourself, "I'm I'm victorious. Gotta say it. Gotta speak to yourself. I am victorious. But how do we get the victory? The victory says through him who loved us. So much that he died for us. So your victory, your overwhelming victory, you being a conqueror, it's only going to come through your connection and your relationship with God. It's only going to come through your submission to God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's only going to come Through him being covered in the blood of Jesus. How many of you are covered? And do you know what I mean by when I say covered in the blood? I mean that you have confessed your sins. You said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior. I accept you into my heart. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. And when you do that, everything, don't look for nothing, but up in heaven, your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is now written among those who have decided to become the son and the daughter of our father. And Jesus says, hey, you know, that's my daughter, that's your daughter down there she's pleaded blood, she's covered in the blood, and Holy Spirit is sitting there saying, I'm going to come alongside her or him, and I'm going to help. Daddy, so when you got something that you're going through, you can cry out. You know, I, I, I and I probably have told this story before. I didn't have a father. My, my real father passed away when he was young, and I grew up with a very abusive father and it's it's so wonderful because i used to not be able to talk about it but my mother even my mother uh it was just a moment yesterday that we had um uh my uh stepsister's daughter um whipped her daughter so bad well she didn't whip her she beat her and it must have been a physical so bad of a physical type of abuse that what happened was um the mother took the, the 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 grandmother took the granddaughter to the hospital, and CPS came in and said no. Um, they immediately went and found the mother and arrested the mother because the child had bruises, black eyes. She was swollen all over. I said that to say you're looking at somebody who was a product of something like that, and I just it wasn't just one time, but it was many times. I was I was an abused child. My, my stepfather abused me. He would beat me until I was senseless. He, he beat me and he actually broke my hip um, through beating me until social service had to come in and, and remove him from the household. But I say that to say, so I, I did not have a father. And then once he stopped beating me, then I saw the abuse turn on my mother. So I grew up with just seeing physical abuse, physical abuse. That's all I saw was my mom getting beat like a man, you know, getting beat. And so my image of a man, and a lot of us think of God as being a man, but my image was marred of a loving father. And so all I saw was God as a persecutor. All I saw was, was God as somebody that was a God of judgment. But I have just in the last year have embraced God. God as a God of love he's a loving God he's not what has been painted in my mind he has now erased that image of God being a God who's going to exact judgment who's going to strike me down if I don't do well ah, Oh, glory to God I now have embraced him as a God who loves me in spite of a God who is there for me and I can call on him What's your view of God? Have you embraced him as a God that loves you? The world has painted him as a God of judgment, but he loves you even in your mess. He's there to clean you up even in your mess. The unlimited love of God. I encourage you to embrace God's love on today. Embrace God's love. Let's stand to our feet. Embrace God's love and embrace him as a loving father.